O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, June 15th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Hukat, and it means ordinances. Numbers 20, 1-15 In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die, along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? 
Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the water, and the water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. The place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. While Moses was at Kadesh, he sent ambassadors to the king of Edom with this message. This is what your relatives, the people of Israel, say. You know all the hardships we have been through. Our ancestors went down to Egypt, and we lived there a long time, and we and our ancestors were brutally mistreated by the Egyptians. 1 Kings 14, 1-15-24 At that time, Jeroboam's son, Abijah, became very sick. So Jeroboam told his wife, Disguise yourself so that no one will recognize you as my wife. Then go to the prophet Ahijah at Shiloh, the man who told me I would become king. Take him a gift of ten loaves of bread, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and ask him what will happen to the boy. So Jeroboam's wife went to Ahijah's home at Shiloh. He was an old man now and could no longer see. But the Lord had told Ahijah, Jeroboam's wife will come here pretending to be someone else. She will ask you about her son, for he is very sick. Give her the answer I give you. So when Ahijah heard her footsteps at the door, he called out, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you pretending to be someone else? Then he told her, I have bad news for you. Give your husband, Jeroboam, this message from the Lord, the God of Israel. I promoted you from the ranks of the common people and made you ruler over my people Israel. I ripped the kingdom away from the family of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant David, who obeyed my commands and followed me with all his heart, and always did whatever I wanted. You have done more evil than all who lived before you. You have made other gods for yourself, and have made me furious with your golden calves. And since you have turned your back on me, I will bring disaster on your dynasty, and will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I will burn up your royal dynasty as one burns up trash until it is all gone. The members of Jeroboam's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then Ahijah said to Jeroboam's wife, Go on home, and when you enter the city, the child will die. All Israel will mourn for him and bury him. He is the only member of your family who will have a proper burial, for this child is the only good thing that the Lord, the God of Israel, sees in the entire family of Jeroboam. In addition, the Lord will raise up a king over Israel who will destroy the family of Jeroboam. This will happen today, even now. Then the Lord will shake Israel like a reed whipped about in a stream. He will uproot the people of Israel from this good land that he gave their ancestors and will scatter them beyond the Euphrates River. For they have angered the Lord with the Asherah poles they have set up for worship. 
He will abandon Israel because Jeroboam sinned and made Israel sin along with him. So Jeroboam's wife returned to Terzah, and the child died just as she walked through the door of her home. And all Israel buried him and mourned for him, as the Lord had promised through the prophet Ahijah. The rest of the events in Jeroboam's reign, including all his wars and how he ruled, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Jeroboam reigned in Israel twenty-two years. When Jeroboam died, his son Nadab became the next king. Meanwhile, Rehoboam, son of Solomon, was king in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen from among all the tribes of Israel as the place to honor his name. Rehoboam's mother was Naamah, an Ammonite woman. During Rehoboam's reign, the people of Judah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, provoking his anger with their sin, for it was even worse than that of their ancestors. For they also built for themselves pagan shrines and set up sacred pillars and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. There were even male and female shrine prostitutes throughout the land. The people imitated the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. In the fifth year of Rehoboam's reign, King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything, including all the gold shields that Solomon had made. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields as substitutes, and he entrusted them to the care of the commanders of the guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would also take the shields and then return them to the guard room. The rest of the events in Rehoboam's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. There was constant war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. When Rehoboam died, he was buried among his ancestors in the city of David. His mother was Naamah, an Ammonite woman. Then his son Abijam became the next king. Abijam began to rule over Judah in the 18th year of Jeroboam's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother was Mekah, the daughter of Absalom. He committed the same sins as his father before him, and he was not faithful to the Lord his God, as his ancestor David had been. But for David's sake, the Lord his God allowed his descendants to continue ruling, shining like a lamp, and he gave Abijam a son to rule after him in Jerusalem. For David had done what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and had obeyed the Lord's commands throughout his life, except in the affair concerning Uriah the Hittite. There was war between Abijam and Jeroboam throughout Abijam's reign. The rest of the events in Abijam's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. There was constant war between Abijam and Jeroboam. When Abijam died, he was buried in the city of David. Then his son Asa became the next king. 
Asa began to rule over Judah in the twentieth year of Jeroboam's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem forty-one years. His grandmother was Mekah, the daughter of Absalom. Asa did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, as his ancestor David had done. He banished the male and female shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. He even deposed his grandmother, Mekah, from her position as queen mother because she had made an obscene Asherah pole. He cut down her obscene pole and burned it in the Kidron Valley. Although the pagan shrines were not removed, Asa's heart remained completely faithful to the Lord throughout his life. He brought into the temple of the Lord the silver and gold and the various items that he and his father had dedicated. There was constant war between King Asa of Judah and King Basha of Israel. King Basha of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah. Asa responded by removing all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the temple of the Lord and the royal palace. He sent it with some of his officials to Ben-Hadad, son of Tabrimum, son of Hezion, the king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, along with this message. Let there be a treaty between you and me, like the one between your father and my father. See, I am sending you a gift of silver and gold. Break your treaty with King Basha of Israel, so that he will leave me alone. Ben-Hadad agreed to King Asa's request and sent the commanders of his army to attack the towns of Israel. They conquered the towns of Aijon, Dan, Abel, Beth, Mekah, and all Kinnereth and all the land of Naphtali. As soon as Basha of Israel heard what was happening, he abandoned his project of fortifying Ramah and withdrew to Terzah. Then King Asa sent an order throughout Judah requiring that everyone, without exception, help to carry away the building stones and timbers that Basha had been using to fortify Ramah. Asa used these materials to fortify the town of Geba in Benjamin and the town of Mizpah. The rest of the events in Asa's reign, the extent of his power, and everything he did, and the names of the cities he built, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. In his old age, his feet became diseased. When Asa died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then Jehoshaphat, Asa's son, became the next king. Acts 10, 1-23 In Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? he asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa 
and summoned a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was standing there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you are looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man and well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. Psalm 133, 1-3 How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Proverbs 17, 7-8 Eloquent words are not fitting for a fool, even less are lies fitting for a ruler. A bribe is like a lucky charm. Whoever gives one will prosper. I want to speak to you today from 1 Kings chapter 14, and then we're going to jump into the New Testament reading from Acts chapter 10. So in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21, there was a particular verse I really wanted to focus on, and that's 1 Kings 14, verse 21, as it is written, Meanwhile, Rehoboam, son of Solomon, was king in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned... 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen from among all the tribes of Israel as the place to honor his name. That's what I want to zoom in on. This is something that we have really lost a vision for. 
we think that, oh, I, I go to this particular fellowship down the road, or I've been going to this church for 25 years, and the glory is there, and the Spirit of God is there, and I have all my friends there, and, you know, God is there. His presence is there. His Holy Spirit is there. Yes. But God wants to put front and center in our hearts, in our minds, and in our focus that there is a city that he has chosen from among all the cities of the world, from among all the peoples of the world, the nations of the world. And it's not London, it's not Paris, it's not New York, it's not San Francisco or San Diego, it's not Buenos Aires. It is Jerusalem that he has chosen from all the tribes and all the nations as the place to honor his name. We've lost sight of that. In fact, this is his name is literally emblazoned into the earth. And if you look at Jerusalem from above, like an airplane view, at the topography of the land, there is a sheen, the letter sheen, emblazoned in the land itself. When you see the Kidron Valley along with two other valleys, if you hold up your three fingers, like you're making the number three with your fingers, that sort of looks like a sheen or almost looks like a W. So sheen is referencing El Shaddai. The letter sheen is pointing us to El Shaddai. And so that letter sheen is seen right in the land itself if you look down from above. This is the place he chose to dwell during the time of Solomon when the temple was completed, the Shekinah, the glory of God, was present in that temple, cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. Now, does he dwell within us through the Holy Spirit? Of course. But there's a day coming when he will once again dwell in a very tangible, real, physical way in Jerusalem. And we need to ask the Lord to open up our minds and our hearts and to put the vision of Jerusalem in our heart, that it is the true north compass spiritually, that we long to be in Jerusalem, to visit Jerusalem, to understand this city and this place and what's very special about it, that it is a set-apart city. It's the place that when Yeshua returns, he's going to rule and reign as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and his capital city where he's going to rule and reign from is Jerusalem. Now I want to jump into the New Testament, into Acts chapter 10, and we have a story here of Cornelius, a Roman soldier who is very devout. And what I, what struck me is when the angel visits him in verse 5, and he says to Cornelius, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. So what about those gifts to the poor? They were gifts to the Jews. Now, Cornelius is not a Jew. He's a Roman. He's a Roman officer. But he has been generous and given to the poor. And so his prayers and his gifts have been received as an offering to the Lord. So now God is going to bless him and send someone to him who's going to bring a very important message to him. Meanwhile, the messenger is getting prepared. And the messenger is Peter. Peter is somewhere else, 
and he's up on the rooftop at noon and he falls asleep and then he has a dream or a vision and in this dream or vision a sheet comes down from heaven and all kinds of unclean animals and reptiles and birds are on the sheet and the voice says to him get up peter kill and eat and the lord and he says no lord i've never eaten anything that is considered impure and unclean but the voice spoke again verse 15 do not call something unclean if god has made it clean now this has been much misunderstood people have interpreted this as oh it's okay to eat any kind of food you want you can have ham and pork and shrimp and lobster and all these unclean foods and this is really not talking about food at all but that will become clear later on in this chapter what it really is talking about is non-Jewish people, Gentiles, non-Jews. Now, in the oral Torah, the Mishnah, the Talmud, Jews were forbidden to have fellowship with non-Jews. They could not say, come on over to my house and I'll give you lunch and let's get better acquainted. It was considered not okay, not kosher, to invite a non-Jew into your home to have a meal and to have table fellowship with them and so that in this way then the gospel message would not spread it would not go around the world because it would only stay amongst the jewish people and so what god is going to reveal to peter and to cornelius is that uh, those people who had been considered unclean why were they unclean? Because they didn't know God. They didn't have a relationship with him. And they ate a lot of unclean food. They ate pork. They ate pig. So they were considered unclean. Don't have fellowship with them. That these people, these Gentiles now, are coming into the kingdom. They're coming into relationship with Yeshua. They're following the Torah. And they're not to be considered unclean anymore. That they are to be invited and welcomed into the family of God. So the, the, he has the vision three times, and then after he wakes up, three men come looking for him. So that's connected. The vision is three times, and then three men come to Peter saying, please come with us. Uh, God is summoning you to go and speak with Cornelius, this Roman soldier. So we will uh, continue this story tomorrow as we continue on in this section of the scriptures. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow.
the Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.